Good morning, Steamtown. I hear, uh, I hear my, my brother-in-law made it this morning. Can my brother-in-law please stand? That's Uncle Matt to my kids. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually close out today with, a, with an Uncle Matt story. So look forward, look forward to, to that. And uh, my, my great aunt is also here um, with us this morning, my Aunt Alma. And Alma, you don't have to stand up, you can just give a wave. And my sister, she must have slept in, cause she's not here. So, that's messed up. <laughs> Would you join me for a word of prayer? And if you have a copy of uh, the scriptures this morning, uh, we're gonna be in, in Galatians chapter three, just continuing in our sermon series entitled Set Free, Live Free, Galatians, Unpacking um, the Gospel of Freedom, the Good News of Jesus. Uh, would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 3, join me for a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for your, your goodness. God, I just uh, know that, that we're all coming, coming this morning um, with our minds in so many different places, help us to, to just take a moment as the body of Christ, as your church, who you love so much, each and every person here. Help us to focus on your word and God change us as we get a clearer glimpse of the gospel of Jesus this morning. God, thank you so much for what you did for us on the cross. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, so Galatians, um, Christ has set us free to live free. Uh, Jason mentioned a few minutes ago that this Sunday is, is what we're calling Serve Sunday. And we're gonna be looking at Galatians Chapter 3, we're going to be in verses 26 to 29, the privilege of, of sonship. I want to, I want to ask a, a question. Have, have you ever, now I, know, I know a lot of us have thought like, have you ever imagined what it would be like to win the lottery? Okay, we'll put that over here, right? But, but I, I, I was thinking this week, imagining what it would be like to be the child of a billionaire. Imagine with me. Um, we would never be, you talk about like you have your needs and your wants. You would never be in need or want. So I, I Googled and I Googled again and I Googled a third time because when you Google three times, you'll get absolute confirmation, right, that, that these are facts. There are approximately 2,100 and, and change, 2,100 billionaires in the world. 2,100 billionaires. If they each have three kids, you're, you're talking thousands of children of of. Billionaires. I mean, of, of course, Amazon's Jeff Bezos is, um, is leading the pack to become the first, check this out, the first trillionaire. Now, now, now Jesus said 
in, in the Sermon on the Mount, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Namely, he, he gets very specific. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay? Now, with that as the foundation, wouldn't it be awesome <laughs> to be the son or daughter of a billionaire? I, I checked out this week how many songs mention the word money. Um, I, I think Pink Floyd is one of the more famous songs where, you know, money, 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 you know. How many? <laughs> 62,000 plus songs on this one search engine. I, 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 I mean, we're talking real dollars, real money. Wouldn't that be so exciting and make you so happy? I mean, they say money can't make you happy, but, but listen, it does rank up there with, with oxygen, right? Like you need monies to pay your bill. I get it. Money doesn't make you happy. But look what happens if you don't get your paycheck on Friday. And you need that. That happened to me one time in my life. I worked hard all week. The boss said, I don't have, what you mean? You know, your eyes get real big. What you mean? Where, 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 where's my money? Right? We get angry because, because there's that moment where you receive your paycheck that, that, that it's such a good feeling. It takes one paycheck to make this guy happy. One paycheck. Imagine being the heir to billions and billions and billions of dollars. Now, now take that a step further into a more important category. If you value spiritual more than material, if you value that which you can't see more than that which you can see, imagine with me the Apostle Paul says in, in, in Galatians chapter 3, the moment you believe in Jesus, the moment you truly believe that Jesus Christ is not just the Savior and Lord of the world, but the Savior and Lord of your life. The Apostle Paul says the moment that happens, check this out, this is, this is so cool, you become a child of God and you become an heir of a fortune greater than anything that is found on this earth. And he who has eyes to see, let him see. And he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, if that doesn't make you smile, if that doesn't fill you with joy, I, I got nothing for you. I, I've got nothing for you. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are sons and daughters of the King. Now, notice... Through faith. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29 says, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed through faith, and check it out, and heirs according to the promise. Not only the promises on this earth, but also 
promises of God for all of eternity. Are you looking for joy? Are you sad? Are you looking for happiness, satisfaction? Ultimately, the Apostle Paul says, believer, listen up. Let your problems be kept in perspective of your sonship or your daughtership. Let the privileges of being a child of God shine on all of your hurts, all of your pains, all of your discouragement, all of your disappointment. The Apostle Paul is like, listen, Church of Galatia, you've got to keep perspective. The moment you believe in Christ, you become a child of God, heirs to a much greater fortune. I just wrote down, like real time, 10 a.m., everyone was getting coffee. I just wrote down a little sticky tab. Seven breathtaking um, promises of being a child of God. Security, authority, intimacy, assurance, inheritance, family likeness, and a God who disciplines those he loves. I mean, I don't think we quite understand all that we have in Christ, this, this inheritance. Like, we will inherit all that God has ever promised. And it's a done deal the moment you truly believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior who died for all of your sins. We're richer than we think, better off than we think. The privilege of being a child of God. Now remember, the book of Galatians is all about getting the gospel right. Faith plus Jesus equals justification. Yeah, I was was eating two eggs, bacon. I'm gluten-free, but I was cheating. I was eating some buttered bread. And I spent an hour with a young man trying to explain what justification is according to the Scripture and how vital it is that you understand this. Because this is how, according to the Apostle Paul, this is how you become a child of God. Jesus plus faith equals justification. And there were these false teachers in Galatia, this providence. There were these false teachers that were, as Caleb mentioned earlier, teaching a lie. And it was Jesus plus anything equals justification. This is so important that we get the gospel right. Because when we are wrong about the gospel, the Apostle Paul says in this book, three terrible things will happen when we are wrong about the gospel. Unbelievers will not be set free. And if you're not set free, if you're still in your sins, who is going to save you? The Apostle Paul says, number two, not only are unbelievers not going to be set free, believers will never live free. So important to get the gospel right. And ultimately, 
if you are trusting in anything other than Jesus for your salvation, your sanctification, or your just um, glorification, ultimately, if you are trusting anything else, God will not be glorified because it diminishes the work of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Now, we left off, as we've been going verse by verse through Galatians, we left off in verse 19. And here's what the Apostle Paul was saying, is if faith plus Jesus equals justification, then look at verse 19. He says, why then the law? Now, you have to understand, growing up, when I would look at the law, it, it really came down to these things. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And thou shalt not lie. In the tradition that I was raised in, most of us would look at the Ten Commandments, four in particular, four in particular, most of us would look at the law, and here's what we, we would conclude. This is what we would conclude. Based on those four commandments, you all, you, all heard, you all have heard it, right? I haven't committed adultery. I haven't murdered anyone. So my standing before God is good. H how many of you can relate to that thinking? What is the purpose of the law. See, in verse 19, the Apostle Paul says, why then the law? What, what is the purpose of the law? Was the purpose of the law for us to look at it, compare ourselves to the commandments of God, and to conclude we're good, that, that we're a good person? Well, look at verse 21. Look at the scriptures. The Apostle Paul says, is the law, therefore, opposed to the promises of God? He says, absolutely not. The New Living Translation in verse 21 says, Is there a conflict, then, between God's laws and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But look at verse 22. It's, it, it uses law enforcement language here. L look at it. The Apostle Paul says, here is how God's law and God's promise of Jesus work together. The text says, but Scripture, okay, I think that's an overarching term referring to the law. But the law has, look, look at it, locked us up. Okay, it's, it's, it's this idea of being cuffed, Right? imprisoning. The law has imprisoned, note, note the word, everything under the control of sin. So according to the Apostle Paul, the law locked up, imprisoned, okay, which means it could not give you life. The law could not give you life. So that what was promised to Abraham being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Look at verse 23. Before the coming of this faith, 
we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. Now check out verse 24. So, Paul, what is the purpose then of the law? We'll look at it. Verse 24. The text says, So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Okay, do you, do you see how it works here in, in, in Galatians chapter 3? Th- this is what's going on. In the first century, there, in, in, in the Roman world, there were these guardians, okay? The Greek word used here for guardian is paedagogos, okay? Paedagogos is how, how you pronounce it. That's the Greek word used for guardian, where the Apostle Paul says the law was our guardian. And these guardians, do you know who they were in first century Roman society? They were often slaves. Not always. Sometimes these were free men and they were free women. But in the first century, these paedagogoses were guardians. They were, they were slaves, typically. And, and what would happen is these guardians would, would work for the owner of the house. Do you see what I'm saying? These guardians would be paid by the owner of the house, or if they were free men, they would be hired by the owner of the house, and they were put in charge of their most prized possessions. Do you you know what they were? Their children. These guardians were hired to be tutors and teachers and moral guides And they would teach their children everything they knew. These were the very educated slaves, or if they were free men and women, they were the very educated free, they were brilliant. These guardians were individuals that knew how to point these children in the right direction. Math, history, science, law, you you name it. These guardians remind me a lot of what my wife Kelly is doing with our children. I'm I'm married to a, a homeschooling mom. And what Kelly would do, I mean, think of our teachers. God bless you, teachers. God bless you, homeschooling moms. God bless you, daycare workers. And what these guardians would do today is is they, they just, they hold the hands of our children. They pour their lives into our kids, preparing them and pointing them to someone or something greater. They would prepare them for life. See, see, teachers in the 21st century and homeschooling moms, God, I mean, they are, listen, my respect for homeschooling moms is through the roof of this 50-foot cathedral-looking thing in here. Amen. Getting all kinds of points to my wife, Kelly. God bless you, teachers. Anyone involved 
I mean, you are preparing our kids and pointing them. In the, and Paul, this is what Paul says. Listen, the, the law, if you want to get to the heart of why the law, why did God give us commandments? Why did God give us ten commandments in particular? Was it to make our life miserable? You know, like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit up in heaven being like, all right, how can we really make these earthlings' life miserable? Let's give them not one, let's give them ten. There's actually 613 commandments in the law of God, if you want to know the exact number, plus all the laws that were added by the Pharisees and Sadducees. Paul's like, no, 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 no. The purpose of the commandments of God was to point us to Christ, to prepare us for Christ, to cause us to look at his commandments and to say, God, I fall short. I need a savior. I desperately need a savior. Check out verse 24. Look, look at how it finishes. It says, so the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. The law exposes our sin, provoked sin, condemned sin, preparing us for salvation through Christ. You know, in, in the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus, who is our Lord and our Savior, the fulfillment of the law, the perfect fulfillment of the law, perfectly sinless, divine, yet human, 100% God, 100% man, in his compassion said, listen, you don't think you need Jesus? Let me take the law a step further. You've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you, whoever has committed lust in their heart has broken the commandment of God. He says, oh, you want to say, oh, I haven't killed anyone. If you're angry toward a brother, you've committed murder already in your, in your heart. He's using the law like a teacher and, and holding us by our hands saying, you need Jesus. You, you desperately need Jesus. Set free, live free. Believer, you need Jesus even more than the day you were saved. The good news, the gospel of freedom, even more. Paul here in Galatians chapter 3 and into chapter 4 says the law and the promise of Jesus, they're not in opposition to each other. There's no conflict. Instead, the law as our guardian by pointing us to Christ serves as a spotlight to shine its beam on Jesus, making him clearer before us, making him more beautiful before us, and making him absolutely glorified. Here's what the great pastor, theologian, author John Stott says, not until the law 
has bruised and smitten us, will we admit our need of the gospel to bind up our wounds. Not until the law has arrested and imprisoned us will we pine for Christ to set us free. Not until the law has condemned and killed us will we call upon Christ for justification and Christ for life. Not until the law has driven us to despair of ourselves will we ever bow and believe in Jesus. Not until the law has humbled us even to hell will we turn to the gospel to raise us to heaven. In verse 25, the Apostle Paul says, now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. But, see, this is, this is where the book starts to shift. This is so cool. Check, check out verse 26. The text says, but we are no longer under a guardian, but now have the privilege of sonship. Look, look, look at what, what, what Paul says in verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, here's who you are. No longer under a guardian. In Christ, Jesus plus faith equals justification. In Christ, you are all children of God. Sons and daughters of the living God. Think about that. Heirs. Heirs. An incredible inheritance we have today, positionally. The Apostle Paul says, think about your new position in Christ. Note the key here, what unlocks it all? Through faith. We are sons and daughters in Christ. That's our new position. Not only that, check out verse 27. Not only do we have a new position, we have a new relationship. Verse 20 says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. So all of you who have immersed yourself, that, that's what the word baptism means, to, to immerse yourself, to baptize yourself into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. Time for an illustration. Becoming a... A child of God is, is, is a lot like picking or switching to a, a sports team. You know, as a, as a child, what do you think was my favorite sport? My sister, who was not here on the Lord's Day, would tell you it was soccer. But there was also another sport that I played a lot. Um, Emmanuel, it was Millville, New Jersey. See, Emmanuel was born and raised in Bridgeton. I was born and raised in Violent, New Jersey. And in between was Hick County, Millville, New Jersey. As a child, I played a lot of hockey. Growing up in South Jersey, um, everyone was a Flyers fan. Everyone was obnoxiously a Flyers fan, but I saw the light when I was 10, before they won the Stanley Cup, I became a New York Rangers fan. And since then, Kelly, some of you are so disappointed in me right now. Since then, Kelly has become a New York Rangers fan, 
and Mikey is a New York Rangers fan, and Matthew is a New York Rangers fan, and Marky doesn't have a choice. He's the little guy, he's five. He is now forced to be a New York Rangers fan. And, and when I saw the light, do you want to know what I wanted my parents to buy me so bad? I wanted a jersey. Now, my dad is still buying me jerseys. This jersey was, he bought this, um, not this past Christmas, but the Christmas before for me. Just going to put it on for a minute. Still got the tag on it. It's a a nice one, right? Custom. All right. We got to be careful, right, not to make sports our idols, right? So I thought about maybe bringing the whole family up on stage in the New York Rangers jerseys, but I, but I didn't, right? I proudly wore this jersey, this New York Rangers hockey jersey. Now, now listen, this, this, this is what I'm trying to say, okay? If you have become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ apart from the works of the law, Here's what scripture says. You have a new relationship with Christ. You have switched teams. You following? You have a new relationship with Christ. Look at what the text says. All of you who were immersed into Christ Jesus have clothed yourself with Christ. You've clothed yourself with, with Christ, you, you wear a new jersey, brand new. Can, can I put it this way? You are now on Team Jesus. You're now on Team Jesus. Now listen, listen to what I'm trying to say, because I'm trying to get at the exact language that the Apostle Paul is using in this scripture, and it's so important. What the Apostle Paul, what he's not saying, this is what he's not saying, is you take off the jersey and you put it on. You take off the jersey. And he's not saying that. The Apostle Paul is saying the moment you believe Jesus plus faith equals justification. In other words, the moment you believe in Jesus, he says, here's your reality. You have put on Christ. You have put him on. Now, we don't always recognize that. We don't always see that because we battle with fear and we battle with doubt and we battle with the flesh and the things that we can see. He says, listen, this is who you are. So if you do anything for God on Serve Sunday, if you do anything, it's in response to what God has done for you. And he's like, listen, church, I, I, you are now clothed with Christ. You are immersed with Christ. This is the team you're on. You know the great thing about a team? Emmanuel, remember the hockey park. Remember the hockey park they built in Millville, how revolutionary that was in the late 90s. And when I would put on the jersey, I was so proud, so proud to be playing hockey with all of my friends, all of my enemies, whoever. We were, we were like one team out there. 
with one goal. And, and, and this is what salvation does in our lives. It says, look, we have one God and Father who is over all and one Savior. And we are part of the body of Christ. And it is an honor and a privilege to serve together in our newfound identity. The Apostle Paul takes it a step further with an absolutely explosive truth. If you guys like the Mighty Ducks movie, the Apostle Paul here is about to end this chapter with a triple deke. This is what the Apostle Paul says. This, this is amazing. He says, in Christ... There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ. So, so Paul, you're saying not only are we sons and daughters of the king, not only do we have an inheritance, verse 29, not only do we have a new relationship with Christ, we now have a new standing as a body called the church, all one in Christ Jesus. Here's an amazing truth. Throw it up on the slide. In the church, unity in Christ. In the church, unity in Christ is to overcome all the things that divide us in the world. In the church, unity in Christ is to overcome all the things that divide us in the church. This morning I was watching, not, not like a creepy watching, I was just watching. I was looking for a moment. I was looking for an illustration. I happened to pick up on two people that I know are politically on the ends of the opposite spectrum. Politically, as far as you can possibly be. I watched them embrace each other and have a great conversation. It was a beautiful picture in my mind of unity in Christ overcoming and transcending all the things that divide us in the world. And the things that divide us in the world have a proper place and a time for the conversation. But our unity in Jesus is so much greater and transcends everything that divides us in the world. Look at how Paul puts it. He says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. I mean, of course there's Jews and Gentiles. They still exist. He says, neither slave nor free. I mean, of course, in the 21st century, there's still slaves and free. Nor is there male and female. Of course, there's still males and females. But what the Apostle Paul is saying is those outward things, those outward differences, race, color, nationality, gender and age specifically, which can be so divisive and so tainted by sin, should be no barrier to the unity that is found in Jesus Christ. See, the Apostle Paul here is promoting the absolute equality of God's grace through faith. Man, I got so much left in my sermon. But it's just such a great point. And they told me, because it served Sunday, I got to end a little bit earlier. And my alarm's about to go off in 30 seconds.
in Christ, we have a new standing, all one in Christ Jesus. I'm so honored to be part of an urban church where it is an ever-present reality of more diversity. And the more diversity you have, the more the unity of Jesus shines. And if that doesn't convince a watching world, I don't know what will. The gospel of Jesus Christ shows a watching world that the love and truth of Jesus can bring together people who ordinarily would have nothing to do with one another. Today's Serve Sunday, and I said I would share one Uncle Matt story, and I'm going to close with an Uncle Matt brother-in-law, brother, forget the in-law, brother Matt story. I didn't have a brother growing up. Matt's my brother. The privilege of sonship, new position, new relationship, new standing. Verse 29 talks about a new future where God is our Father, Jesus is our Lord, the Holy Spirit is our helper, heaven is our home. Matt adopted my two boys yesterday and decided to take them snowboarding in very cold weather. And Matt sent me these videos where, where he was, you know, kind of like helmet cam deal. And I was watching my boys through the eyes of Uncle Matt. I was watching my boys snowboard down a mountain where there's jumps and there's white lightning, the steepest trail in the northeast, and there's trees. I'm watching my boys through Uncle Matt who adopted them for the day. And I thought, what a beautiful picture of what it means to be a child of God. And you might not always feel that God is right behind you and because he's omnipresent, he's right before you and because he's omnipresent everywhere at all times, separate from creation, he's to your left and to your right. And oh, by the way, the Holy Spirit of God lives within you as a child of God. And although you may not feel like he's watching, he's watching. Do you know what I love about police officers? And I'm, this, I'm a recovering child of one. My dad's a cop. They're always watching. And they're looking out for your protection. And they say, that's my son. That's his position. That's who he is. He is a new relationship with me. And he's heirs according to the eternal promise. And everything I promise to that child every, is going to come true. Church, we have the rapture to look forward to. The second coming of Christ eternal state. I mean, if you just read the promises of God, it is absolutely outstanding. And as God is giving us 
a clearer vision of where he wants this church to head, I just ask you, out of your love for Jesus, would you consider this Serve Sunday signing up for something so that we can operate in the reality that already exists in Christ and serve together to A, edify each other, and B, help a watching world see that when we serve together, what binds us? Very important question. Let us pray. God, thank you so much for your word. I pray most importantly, if there is someone here this morning, somebody, regardless of age, gender, financial status, feeling like a failure, filled with pride, whatever, God. That this morning, Lord, if there's someone here that has never accepted you as their Savior, I pray that they would pray a prayer, something like this from their heart. Lord, I desperately need to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I want to be a child of God by faith. I accept you right now. I call upon you. I believe. And Lord, I pray for us believers, God, that forget that, 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 that know the gospel of freedom and then we, we live under customs and traditions and, 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 and so many ways it fleshes out and we really become miserable in our life with you. I pray, God, that, that our prayer would be very similar, Lord, that you would free us, Lord. Thank you so much for this church. Thank you so much for everyone that has put so much effort into Serve Sunday. And Lord, we fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.